0: Ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, pleasure diva and body whisperer, Militsa Yelenich
1: Good evening, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone. And we were actually going to be talking about something pretty different today. Well, let's face it, I think I say that literally every show and I'm like, wow, look at the topic that we chose today. I actually really do let the pleasure zone choose the topic for me to talk about and sometimes I'm even like, Can't believe I'm talking about this. And it's a pretty fun topic. I it's right now, for those of you who aren't aware, um this show is actually being um live right now on Canadian Thanksgiving. And one of the things that I was thinking of is what am I grateful for uh, when it comes to uh, being a woman, being sexual, being alive in this day and age. And one of the things that first popped in my mind, because this is the kind of crazy I am was I'm so glad that I won't get arrested for masturbating in this lifetime. That's really great that I'm aware of because historically that could have happened. So I, In my life, I have had a really bizarre fascination with a lot of things. Bodies, strange and funky diseases, and women being incarcerated. Yes, I've actually had a bizarre fascination with that. Um, You know, come to find out when I was a little older and I started doing some past life regression therapy, like every past life that I would ever have a regression into, I was somewhere incarcerated. Somewhere, I was never like the sexy princess. I didn't have those lives to deal with. No, I would have the ones where I was, you know, jailed and bound and this and that, and trying to resolve what was going on in my life uh, in in this lifetime, having to do with all those incarcerations. Prior to that, you know, I spent time traveling um, even as a kid, and for some reason, I had this strange, uh, dark kind of interest and intrigue into like how and why women would go to jail and how and why women would end up in insane asylums. It was bizarre but I'm like a 12 year old kid, 13 actually, going to Arizona. I remember this was like one of the first things that kind of intrigued me um, was that there's a jail in Yuma, Arizona where women and men were actually incarcerated together in this jail and When I went in there as a kid, I felt like everything, and I couldn't explain to my dad what was going on. And I started telling stories about the inmates, and my dad was like, what are you talking about? And then I was running around, there's a museum in the Huma prison, and I was running around looking for proof that there had been women there. And and I was, like, telling him about the women, and I'm like, but there were women here. Like, what happened to them? Why weren't they in the same jail cells as the men? Like, that didn't always happen. What happened to these women? What was going on? And, like, I was freaking out. Um, I was on some level aware that I could perceive energies, that I could perceive entities, that I was very much intrigued by that. Um, but I wasn't fully aware so much that when I would travel, that I would think about the places I was going, that I would tap into the energies of the place and... Pick that up, and I was really aware of this. Um, and some of the women who would be um, stuck in jails, uh, jails with like murderers and you know cowboys who were out there killing loads of people, there were women in the same jail cells who basically were in there for, you know, they they might have had an affair, and they were ranked up top like in the same level of being incarcerated as men who were killing other men. It was pretty wild. So those things really fascinated me growing up. And and I had this sort of deep intrigue, interest into women's insanity. And I don't know what it was, but I loved reading books about women who had gone insane, um, especially regarding, and a lot of women who had gone insane, it had to do with their sexuality and their uh, sexual um prowess you know i was very intrigued by c- characters like that and i still am I-, I actually really like watching um things that are uh period pieces like anything from the 1800s to like 1920s 1940s i love those shows love all of that stuff even 1700s i love all of that stuff where there's this deep in- uh, stuff about history and psychology and how we viewed each other And it's so much more to me than just like the stories of the past. It's to me, there's this amazement I have that I am aware that we fully choose every experience we have on this planet. I'm aware of that. And what I'm baffled by is what is it that would have us choose lifetimes where we would be incarcerated for masturbation or for adultery? What would have us choose that? You know, or if you were caught, you know, even, you know, 17th century, 16th century women, you know, who were maybe even caught talking to another man could be stuck in like the Iron Maiden, you could be killed as a witch. Like, you basically might as well forget ever being a free-thinking human being because if you were you were the witch, or hysterical, or something would occur to you because there was something wrong with you innately because you were born a woman. You know, a lot of those beliefs stem back to, when you're looking at uh, European history, a lot of those beliefs stem back to the Bible, and you're looking at, you know, the original sin of man being caused by woman, right? So there's this crazy belief, you know, even though that was all distorted and contorted and there is a way different history that we're not actually being taught. But that's a whole other category of program. And I'm not doing the full-on history show today. I'm just doing a history of women's sexuality and insanity. So so where did that start? It started a long time ago. When we look back at stuff, um, really like to really look back at um, the history of hysteria, for example, So hysteria itself is is a disease, basically, that was considered um, a woman's disease, although men would have something similar to that, though they couldn't be hysterical exactly because they didn't have uh, what Greeks would call a hysteria, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but basically a uterus. If you don't have a uterus, you can't be hysterical, and women... Um, basically were being judged as having mental illnesses because they had a uterus. Not only did they have a uterus, but some some people... Um, and I'll find the right names for you because I don't have this like memorized. I just have a lot of stories in my head from my life. But I'll get some additional add-ons for you guys to look at. But there, there are times in history where women were actually considered just for having their uterus. Um, you could be tired. You could be horny. You could um, have menzies or have delayed menzies. There were like you could have bloating in your tummy. Actually, it's really funny when you look at all of the things that would say that you are hysterical. I have about 85% of the things, and any one of those things could have you labeled hysterical. And if you were labeled hysterical, you were mentally ill. I don't know if you guys know a lot about history of mental illness um, and what actually occurred to people who were mentally ill throughout history. It's only really in the last... 20 years that there's actually 30. Maybe since the 80s, we've become a little more kind to people who have had mental illness. Um, Maybe we're looking now more at as a a fringe of society that's disgusting, that needs to be locked up and put away. And maybe in the last 20 to 30 years, we're actually looking at how to actually work with people who are maybe not exactly like your so-called normal, right? And I definitely think everybody I know falls into the fringe category, we all even women who were like free thinkers were considered to actually be insane. That was one of the things that cracked me up the most is like every woman i know is a free thinker. We all would have been insane. We all would have been in the insane asylums together hanging out. And and so yes, like hyster- uh, historically and hysterically uh, there was there was um like the insane asylums and the poor houses were one and the same. Pretty much, if you had no money, you would go to a poorhouse. If you were lucky, you might get a scrap of food. Well, the insane asylums were not that different. They were all in the same situation, basically – Empty floors. Maybe if you were lucky, there was going to be some kind of straw on the ground. If you were lucky, you might eat. If you were lucky, you might catch a rat to eat. If you were really lucky, you might have somebody who had money that could actually pay for you to be looked after. But the women who were in there generally, even if you had a husband who died and you didn't have a means to look after yourself, and this is like Europe, and this is like North America, and this is like the last hundred and, you know, hundred years ago, hundred and, sorry, thirty maybe years ago, late 1880s, maybe something like that. Prior to that, women would be stuck in these poor houses, um, basically insane asylums. So just because your husband died and you have children, you are not actually by some standards, considered fit to look for your children. So you would be sent to an insane asylum or slash a poorhouse because you either didn't have the financial means or you might have been crying too long because your husband died, which made you hysterical, which meant that your uterus was in charge of your life. That meant that there was something definitely wrong with you and they needed to take charge of that. On the flip side, what was really bizarre is you know, there's a point where women would end up in the insane asylum if if they were not relieved of their hysteria through the doctor masturbating them, they would be sent to the insane asylum. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had a good-looking doctor in the 1800s who had pretty clean hands and, you know, had a method, I might fake hysteria a few times just to show up and have my special masturbation treatment. Pretty fun, right? Yes. So yes, if you were considered sad too long, uh, you were considered hysterical. Even showing that emotion publicly could be embarrassing. So there was a lot that would actually have you considered hysterical that could either get you to the hospital, not the hospital, to the doctor's office, where he could either perform um, masturbation on you. And there came a time where the doctors were getting overrun with hysterical women, especially in North America, they started to feel like There was just so many women showing up with hysteria. They couldn't keep up with it. Um, There are some people who believe that the vibrator, the original vibrators, were actually developed to assist doctors to relieve women of hysteria. They were scary-looking devices. If you ever want to see them, just Google search original vibrators. They look like death contraptions. And I would be freaked out to stick one in my body, especially at the time it was like DC current and going through your body. Freaky. Oh, it's like being in an electric chair. I don't know if you'd be stimulated or fried. I really don't I don't know what that would create, but am pretty mental, right? So yes, I am so glad this era is over and so grateful my gratitude, and it was so funny, like, what am I grateful for? I'm so grateful that I live in a time and age uh, in society where I can freely masturbate if I want to. I can even be sad for more than two hours if somebody I know dies. I Two hours was not the standard. I'm just giving you a joke time because it, it's so ridiculous that, to me, that you would have a certain amount of time that was allowable after which you were considered excessive grieving and having hysteria. So it's really a fascinating thing to me. And I'm just so, so grateful that I live in a time and age where that isn't the case. But my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother grew up in a time when that was the case. And I looked at that, too, just before um started the show. Just My great-grandmother was born in 1896. She died in 2002. So calculate that. She was 106 when she died. An amazing, free-thinking woman. And in 1914 or 1915, I believe it was, she was 16 or 17 years old and a very free thinker, very sexually interesting person. And she went and and got pregnant before marriage. Um, She was really like dynamic. She was entrepreneurial in her way of thinking. She was like into buying properties and getting herself established. She loved saving money. She loved having money and she died with a lot of money. And She was just like fascinating that she was so liberated, but that was just around the turn of the century. That was around 1914, 1915, but believe it or not, it wasn't until 1952 that hysteria was no longer considered a mental illness. That's pretty crazy. That's that long ago. My mother was four years old when women were stopping being considered hysterical. So, something to think about, right? So, we have a lot to talk about. I haven't even touched the iceberg. I just want to remind you guys that you are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network, and I'm your host, Milica Jelenic, and we will be right back after this commercial break
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Militza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Inspired Choices Network.com.
2: Are you a subject matter expert? Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com.
1: Welcome back, sweet pleasure seekers. This is the Pleasure Zone. And we are having a very inspired conversation tonight about women, about sexuality, about lunacy. Lunacy, women, insanity, and sexuality is our topic tonight. Now, I know that seems like, why would I listen to this topic? That seems crazy. I actually have a friend and I'm sure he's going to ask me, what were you thinking when you created this topic? Because I've had a few, and he's like, sex and depression, he just laughs at me, he's like, what? And then he listened, and he's like, oh, that made a lot of sense. So, shouts out to you, my friend. <laughs> so This one, I'm sure the title will have you going, what? Good times. So, you know, the I wanted to kind of give you guys a grasp of how kind of crazy um, – the diagnoses were in you know North America. I'm going to go with North America for like the last in the last uh say 1800s to 1900s or so. Um I found some some papers. Uh one of the papers was written uh that was written was called Lunacy in the 19th Century: Women's Admission to Asylums in the United States of America. It was written by Catherine Puba and Ashley Tianan. Um and I'm just going to be reading a section of this. Not, I'm not reading it to you guys, but I just found some information that's quite interesting. Um, it's actually from the University of Wisconsin-Oshkosh. If you guys want to look for this yourself, uh, they have. It's a full 103 pages. I think it's more than. I think it's 103 pages, uh, maybe more. I'm just reading a few of them. So, um, so here's a little excerpt from that. So between the years of 1850 and 1900, women were placed in mental institutions for for behaving in ways that male society did not agree with. Women during this time period had minimal rights, even concerning their own mental health. Research concluded that women were admitted for reasons that could be questionable. Since the 19th century, many of the symptoms women experienced according to admittance records would not make a woman eligible for admittance to a mental asylum today. Women with symptoms were later diagnosed insane by reasons such as religious excitement, epilepsy, and suppressed menstruation. The symptoms and diagnosis presented show that labeling of women as insane was done very lightly and was influenced by social attitudes toward women. So interesting, right? That's a little uh, bit of a, an introduction to this. And just for fun, they actually have they have a bit of a list that I would like to read to you guys because it's so freaking crazy patients were numbered so patient number 1000 this is uh, women who were admitted to the Mendonta mental asylum between 1869 and 1872 so number 1000 can you imagine and (laughs) it went on and on but there's one there's there's a lot of them so number 1000 was a woman from bohemian ethnicity age 17 she had no children and her diagnosis was that she was insane by suppressed menzies. Well, that's hilarious, considering that both my mother and my grandmother did not get their first menzies till they were 18 and 19, respectively. So they would have actually been sent to a mental institute for not having their menzies. Willie? Really? and her marital status was unknown which is funny it means that they she probably wouldn't tell anybody if she was married or if she couldn't speak enough english to actually say that another patient age 50 german single she was insane by religious matters another woman age 39 ethnicity was american she's married had eight children and she was also insane by religious fantasy whatever that means a woman aged 47, German, married, had 11 children. She was insane by domestic troubles. Not that we would want to assist her with her domestic troubles and maybe get rid of her drunken husband or abusive husband, lock him up. No, no, no. We've got to lock her up. And now put her children either into the care of nobody wandering the street or put them into the hands of an insane person who actually created the domestic troubles. And then we've got a woman who's 25, and Irish, Um, she had no children, and she was insane by an unknown cause. Doesn't matter, we're throwing you in. You're just insane. So here are some other ones. You know, I think the oldest woman that I have listed in front of me was age 59, um, and she was also insane by religious matters. And overexertion is another one. Insane by overexertion, insane by abortion. Insane by loss of property. Insane by mental excitement. Insane by overwork and domestic trouble. Insane, again, by religious excitement. There's a religious matters fantasy, religious uh, excitement. Amazing, right? Now, this is a really fun one. There was a woman, and they didn't actually know her age. They didn't know if she had children, and they didn't know if she had uh, marriage at all. She was American, and she was insane by nymphomania. Now, that was actually a really uh, common. Any woman who really actually had any feelings that were sexual, and it didn't even have to be extreme. If you had probably as many uh, many sex partners as I've had in my life, I would have been considered a nymphomaniac. Anybody who's having sex with more than one person was a nymphomaniac. But I want to tip my hats off to Alfred Kinsey, and a bunch of other amazing sexologists who, in the 1940s and just slightly prior to that, started doing a lot of research on um, on human sexuality. It was one of my most favorite classes in university was my history of sex and psychology. And we talked a lot about Alfred Kinsey and his reports and the Masters and Johnsons uh um, research as well and and know I took some of the weirdest psych classes but man it was like if I could get into the history the history of the psychology of sexuality I was in I was in because that was interesting learning a person had an issue not so interesting learning about the people who actually created a difference that my friends was interesting and When you look at, actually, the publications of Alfred Kinsey, and if you don't know who he is, you can look him up. I may do a show on some of the greatest sexologists of all time that I admire and I admire the work of. Maybe I'll do that coming up at the end of October. I have some guests for the next few shows, so maybe we will talk sexologists, famous sexologists throughout history. I'm going to make that a note. Um, So, He was amazing. And some of the research he did, although nowadays it would be considered pretty, I mean, in his time, it was revolutionary. Um, He was really cutting edge. He did things like film people in during sex and establish whether they had, he was, what he was trying to figure out was there was, uh, he was trying to figure out like a normalcy in sexual behavior. And he was trying to establish what was actually insane or unacceptable behavior. And, and he's actually the guy who was the originator of concept of like the 50 shades. He believed there was a scale of 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 uh, sexuality, a scale of what and our behaviors. And he didn't really see us as, um, as he observed people, he started to really realize, and he had degrees in so many things. He wasn't just a sexologist. He did a lot of stuff. So biologists, all these other things. So he uh really did some amazing studies and he after his reports were published and let me just double check on those dates but um so he had yeah so his reports for the sexual behavior in the human male were published in 1948 and his uh writings for the sexual behavior in the human female were published in 1953 And I kept saying, I think it was 1952 or 1954, it was one of those. It was either right before his paper was published or right after that um, hysteria was no longer part of um, the the way that you could actually classify women as mentally ill. So uh, a lot of these sexologists, their research contributed greatly to women having more freedom uh, women actually having choice and we're starting to recognize that women's sexuality is actually like a healthy expression of their bodies rather than, uh, you know, viewing it as an insanity. If a woman masturbates, she must be insane. You know, I, if I, oh my God, I'd be a mess. <laughs> so I am so grateful for living in a day and age where I'm not considered insane for you know what my body desires for being able to follow what my body actually enjoys, and you know when you do look at some of this stuff historically it's it can be kind of frightening and it can be kind of a like a bit of a take back, really kind of like whoa, I can't believe that actually occurred. I can't believe that humanity allowed this sort of stuff to occur um so it's really something that. Uh, if you if you are fascinated by by history, if you're fascinated by sexuality, I think you're gonna find um the sexologists fascinating as well because they really created a lot of um sense of more freedom of expression for all of us. Whether people actually read their works or not, um it's somehow permeated into our culture that, you know, oh, you're not insane if you masturbate. Somewhere Over the last, you know, 60, some 64, 66 years, somewhere over that last period of time, we've actually been allowed to be more expressive. You know, you look at the 1960s and it's like almost like thank God for Alfred Kinsey or what would have occurred in the 1960s with free love like women would have been arrested left right and center for their sexual expression they would have been well not arrested and put in jail but put in asylums they would have there would have been an outcry of insanity across the nation either women would have been having to go to their doctors and be masturbated chronically and they don't know why it was okay for the doctor to do it, but not the person themselves. It's like so confusing to me that the doctor was allowed, but the person themselves wasn't allowed. Self discovery was somehow very scary. God forbid you know yourself or your body, you know. That's so religious that it's creepy. <laughs> so and they could have been pervs or they could have been contributing. It's hard to say. I don't know what they were doing, but Either way, it was an interesting tactic to try and get women to feel better um, and certainly an interesting uh, philosophy. Their uterus is jacked, so we must stimulate their vagina and their clitoris. If they even stimulated the clitoris, they probably just went for a finger job. And probably more than that, you know, I bet a lot of doctors uh, probably fathered a lot of children during those days as well. That's a whole other weird offshoot topic. Um, I have no proof of that, but I'm just thinking that's probable. So, so guys, we have so much more to talk about here tonight. But I just want to remind you that we are listen- you guys are listening to the Pleasure Zone, and I'm your host Militsy Allen H. And we're gonna head off to a commercial break, and we'll return with more on this topic.
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melissa every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: What if there's nothing wrong with you? What if you're far greater than you've ever given yourself credit for? beinguclass.com.
1: Good evening sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone and we are talking about women, insanity and sexuality. Now, with this conversation we've been talking a lot about things like hysteria, things that have sent women to mental mental asylums, uh, institutions who have been institutionalized throughout history, and most about North America, but a lot of things in North America were based on European roots. Uh they were based on especially in Canada a lot of our laws uh our laws basically began and our entire um legal system is based on the British legal system. So having precedence on things is a, is basically something um that we got from the British legal system. So a lot of things that uh, applied the British legal system would have also applied in Canada. So some of those things um, actually I found on a site called Criminal Lunacy. There's actually a blog called Criminal Lunacy. And the title of the blog that I'm reading is Mad, Bad, and Desperate Crime and Insanity in Historical Britain. This particular one is Crime, Insanity, and Sex, Five Medical Interventions. So. You know, we had the doctors who were masturbating their patients, and then some of the other things, you know, when you actually you actually go on that site, it's um, interesting. There's what appears to be like a, a metal strap-on that was used um, as well. It's in the Science Museum, the Science and Society picture library. It's a, it's a picture of what is like a, a tin or metal sort of um, contraption that has a what looks like a metal penis. Very fascinating. And that would have been used in some way or other. Now, there were some really sick and crazy things that went on. um, And what they are, what they're referred to now are actually instrumental rape. Um, Something to the effect of like clitoridectomy, which still goes on on this planet in this day and age, which is absolutely freaking insane. um, And, upsets me greatly, I don't want to into it too much that I don't even understand why or what gives anybody the right to think that they should mutilate another human being's body in such a way, but according to according to, um, you know, what people believe, and that is what they feel is one way to make sure that you will not have sexual thoughts. Well, you also might be freaking traumatized for the rest of your life. I am like two degrees separation from a woman who actually is my age and has had a clitoridectomy done to her. Um, I am friends with her mother, and it mortifies me to think that this person had this happen to her in a day in age on a planet where women were, you know, in North America it was no longer considered an insanity. So why was this occur why is this still occurring? Like, oh man, just freaking enrages me. So for those of you who don't know what clitoridectomy is, I'm not going to assume that all of you know, it's actually the removal of the clitoris. Yeah, removal. So You know, in this day and age, they actually use uh, rough stones or other uh, sanitary objects to remove the clitoris of women. And it's actually, this was actually still and still is considered the most controversial of all the uh, interventions at the time as a clinical treatment, as a clinical intervention. Um, And you know, a pretty brutal form of trying to cure, so-called cure somebody from insanity or nymphomania or sexual expression. Sexual expression is a disease back then, by the way. So in 1867, there was a fellow by the name of Isaac Baker Brown who was struck off for undertaking the operation with almost passionate relish. He was dismissed as questionable, compromising and unpublishable. Um, so that was at least a step in a better direction that they started to realize that maybe the person performing these things should not be thoroughly enjoying the mutilation of women. So yay for him. Um, but really, that was kind of just that was just the start of it. It's not like they stopped doing it altogether. He actually uh, claimed that the procedure. Um, he he actually said that it was almost like that the masturbation uh, theory wasn't working so much, so he thought that the best way to alleviate that was to just remove the clitoris altogether. Right. Insane, insane, insane. Some of the other nastier treatments, you know, stick to some of the nasty treatments, labiaplasty. If you've never heard of that, it's actually a common and bizarre one that people are actually performing to themselves. Not themselves. They're not actually cutting off their own labia, but they're voluntarily going in for surgeries with plastic surgeons to have their labia either shortened or removed. Now... But those of you who know I talk about these things very bluntly on my show. I have very prolific labia, so if I had this probably, I you know would have had my labia removed, so you know they thought that removing the labia could actually be more effective um as if as if somehow the labia was creating more um more desire for women. Well, I'm thinking that having it removed would definitely relinquish my desire in a huge way. Certainly not make me think of wanting to have sex because I would be mutilated in the crotch. And you better believe that in 1867, that was not something that was going to turn out pretty. You know, they were not doing operations very well. And they certainly weren't thinking about um, sanitary conditions all that much. So, If a woman didn't die from the operation itself, she could die of secondary infections, which a lot of women actually did die of secondary infections from all this crazy shit that happened. My first swear of the day, believe it or not, I'm kind of surprised I held back on that. So, uh, they would also sometimes just remove women's, um, you know, sexual organs completely. Remove the uterus, you know, because they think they had the right. So, pretty crazy it 's pretty crazy what what in history we have actually agreed to be part of in some way or another, and you know homosexuality uh, was actually considered a very immoral act as well, but it 's weird because women could kind of almost get away with being um lesbians like they had a better chance of Expressing themselves as lesbians than men did, um so that'd be a whole other topic as well about men um actually, some men did get in trouble for that, but pretty crazy and we yeah so we're so I was just reading a comment in the chat room that said, so sexual expression was disease, so are we the products of disease? So, according to, you know, Victorian era, we would have been the product of disease. Yeah. Interesting, right? So, how much does that create judgment in our world? I mean, that's going back a century and a half, but we're looking at um, people who, in our lineage, have passed on DNA that has memory, that passes on more DNA that has memory, or even the touch of one family to another family member that passes on to that way. That information is being transmitted and transferred to us generationally. So everything that brings up and lets down, we're going to do a clearing for tonight because, man, this, I'm sure this show is going to bring up a frack load. Everything and anything that this show has brought up to you, up with you so far that's just making you feel like freaking killing people with who committed clitoridectomies or just wanting to thrash against the people who put women in or maybe you're cheering on the people who put women in and saying to Psalms, I don't know, but whatever it is that's getting some emotion going up and down and twirling your head into bits, let's just eliminate it. Let's just let it go, drop it, expand out, be a lot of space because if we are a lot of space, we can actually perceive and see if this is still going on on the planet, where it's going on, and maybe then we can actually have a way of changing that. But if we make it so, so freaking wrong that we don't want to see it and we don't want to be faced with it, we can't actually see where it's still occurring and we can't actually um, be the creators of change. And that's really what I'm interested in. Yes, I like history, but I also like to look at it as, wow, I'm using this as a form of awareness so that I can be aware of if there's anything, even 1% like this going on on the planet, but I can be aware of it, and maybe by being space, by being me, whatever contribution I can be, I can actually facilitate change with that. That's what I'm interested in. Where can I facilitate change with any of this? Fascinating and strange judgments that have been placed on them, and a lot, mostly about women, historically. And why women? Well, we know that women have been seen as really powerful. You see a person bleeding for, you know, three to seven days and they live. If a man bled for three to seven days out of his penis, would he live? No, he probably wouldn't. We're mysterious. We're crazy. We're fascinating, witchy beings, you know? How do we do these crazy things like birth a baby out of the small hole called our vaginas? How do we do that? We're just amazing. So, so and, you know, 100% for sure, we were considered potent and powerful. So got to repress that. Anything that would that would have a woman express herself sexually or be excited to be part of that then, you know, I think, I think what, what would we be, sorry, I'm trying to think of like a way to summation, give you a summation of this. So when, yeah, so I'll think about that summation actually, because my head's going in every direction right now. So many things I want to talk about. So yes, and have been seen as very powerful throughout history. And as a result, women have been suppressed. Because you would never want to have somebody be more powerful or step into their power. How would you oppress and suppress an entire, an entire, uh, it's not even a race, women? How do you re- repress an entire, planet of women without making them subject feeling that they're less than you have to make them feel less than you have to make them feel crazy and you have to for generations tell them that they're insane and still to this day women will say stuff like oh yeah i'm feeling weird i'm pmsing like we try and say that we're we try and actually out ourselves as insane oh just warning you i'm pmsing might act out might be a little funny really What if we're just super freaking powerful and we can step into it and own it and not actually try and claim insanity before there is even an insanity? Because there's no insanity. You're powerful. Your body might be a little tired. Your body might be experiencing something. But holy God, that's your body. You've had it your entire lifetime. You know what's occurring with your body. You know. And will you listen to it? No, probably not because you know... If you did in the past and if you did throughout centuries, you would have gone to an insane asylum, right? Don't want to listen to those urges, right? Ugh, isn't that ugly? So everything that brings that and lets down, just and make sure that stuff is out of your universe. So, guys. We're going to actually have a last and final break. I just want to remind you, you're listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we're going to head off to our last commercial and wrap this show up right after this commercial.
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Dane here, and I would like to invite you to an adventure in being. I've just written and finished a new book known as Being You, Changing the World. Are you one of those dreamers? One of those people who's always known that other possibilities should be available but haven't yet been able to see them be created? Well, I wrote this book for you. In it, you'll find tools, processes, and unique perspectives to change the things you've always wanted to change but didn't know how. In it, you'll find an invitation to a different possibility for a way that we can be, in this world, That changes not only our lives, but by being us, allows us to contribute to changing everything planet-wide that doesn't work. Are you aware that truly great people, truly being them, is the only thing that has ever created a great change on this planet? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to be one? Check out a copy of my new book, Being You, Changing the World. I invite you to go to beingyoubook.com for a free gift.
0: Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone, sweet Pleasure
1: Seekers. We're just rounding up the last part of the show tonight. And I just wanted to uh, trace over some of the things that we've gone through. If you have been listening to the last 50 minutes, you might have enjoyed and both been mortified by some of the information I've been sharing. Um, I didn't even get to about one quarter of what I'd like to talk about, but I realized that I can probably split this show into a few episodes throughout the year to um not mortify you uh, entirely all at once in like one month maybe you split it up a bit to give you little doses here and there of mortification uh, but you know there's so much uh, information out there regarding this topic and um a few months ago I'd actually been to a uh, place in Ontario, Canada, and it's called Upper Canada Village. And I went with my mother and daughter. And again, you know, my fascination with um, women being arrested and women being um, in insane asylums. I was reading uh, a pamphlet when we were there. There was like some some history information I was picking up. And I was reading, and it was about the women who, for example, there was a woman in, and it was in Kingston, Ontario, and it was in the 1860s, I believe, who had been married. And after, um, after I think it was two years of marriage, um, this woman had actually inherited a lot. And in 1860s Canada, women didn't inherit um, directly. If they got married, their spouse inherited the money. And if they didn't get married, sometimes they could get away with it, but they would usually have uh, a man in charge as a trustee. So women weren't considered competent enough to look after their money. Right, whatever. Um, so, so yeah, just get a little anger out of my body right now. So the the woman, um, actually, after being with her husband for two years, uh, I think in this particular instance, she was somebody who um, no, either no longer had a desire for sex, or she had been uh, caught masturbating. It was because there was quite a few of them on this list who had been married, and all of their Life was basically taken away from them. Um, So she was stuck in an insane asylum, and her husband uh, received everything, everything she had. So a lot of times women were being duped into marriage by promises of things, romantic. Um, You know, these men would knowingly marry these women uh, because they would inherit everything they had. And without any proof, they could just have these women locked up for the rest of their entire lives uh in situations where the women weren't necessarily being looked after and and in particular in Kingston um there was a there was an insane asylum there that had things on record of tortures they did to people who uh did various things but unbelievable things that they actually recorded uh, and were quite proud of which is frightening to think about the things they did that they didn't record uh, because they knew even at that time that 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 wasn't something to be quite proud of, um things like electric shocking people, but also things like drowning them in ice uh for a minute and seeing if they survived their mind changed or um and those were things they were quite proud of. They thought they were quite um uh state of the art treatments you know um they would use old methods too, like trephination, knocking holes in the brain to let the spirits out was originally what trephination was, but uh, not a hole in the brain, a hole in the skull, sorry, uh, which was fine. If it alleviated pressure, sometimes that was necessary. But um, that was usually like if you had inflammation in your brain, um, like things like syphilis would create like an inflammation. But if if it was something more just like uh, the woman was mad or upset, sometimes trepanation, there you go, hole in your skull. It's pretty insane. <laughs> so I am so, so grateful that that's all in the past. And I'm so grateful that we can be aware of all of this stuff that has occurred in the insanities of humanity, that we can be aware of them to the point where we don't have to reject them, but we can kind of receive the concept of them enough that we can be aware as if they are going on anywhere else in the world, that we can contribute to be the energy to actually be the change, that that will never happen again. So I look forward to hearing from you guys next week.